All right. Well, welcome. We hit the top of the hour. So this is exciting. Welcome to our very, very first show of the Breach Report. And our intention of this show is to talk about what's happening in the industry, answer questions, talk about what's in the news, what's not in the news, and most important, how to protect your business and how to protect what's going on just on an ongoing basis because it's developing so, so fast. And since it's our first show, guys, it's going to be the roughest one, but that's exciting. We got you guys here for our first one, and it's just going to get better and better. I got my co-host and longtime partner I worked with, uh, Damien. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. So my name is Damien Anderson. I've been working with um, FIT for eight years now. Uh, so Ephraim and I have lots and lots of stories. We've been through lots of breaches and, and investigations together. And so yeah, looking forward to having some fun here. Uh, definitely a, a, a casual kind of vibe here. So if you have questions, put them in the chat. Uh, we'll even try to unmute you if, if, if you're willing. Um, and just answer the questions. The more you talk, the more interactive it is, the easier it is for both of us, right? We didn't do a lot of rehearsing for this. So uh, we're just going to kind of go over the facts and, and, and see, you know, if we can help you out. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So yeah. throw it in there. We'll derail our co whole conversation, our whole our whole strategy just to, to answer some questions. So, so that's the goal here. <clears throat> so just a little bit about what's going on. I mean, you guys obviously have some interest in cybersecurity. You're maybe in the industry if you're listening in on this and you know the importance of it, or maybe you just want to know more. We see a lot. We have a unique perspective because we're working with a lot of different organizations. We get to deal firsthand with some breach cleanup and we kind of see, you know, day in, day, day out, what's going on. I mean, what have you kind of been seeing, Damien? What was probably one of the biggest ones you've seen recently? So I would say lately, I mean, when I say lately, I mean, within the last two weeks, we have seen a lot of business to business issues, right? So we'll talk about that uh, more in depth, but we're seeing one business being uh, attacked, um, possibly what we would say breached, um, and they are invoicing or the bad actor is invoicing another business and unbeknownst to the other business, they are paying invoices, uh, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars over months um, to, to bad actors and hackers. So I would say in the last two weeks, I've seen that three separate occasions. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like last year, we've seen that a lot. So uh, that's one big thing that we're really trying to kind of close the gap on. Yeah. So, so um Maybe we can take that slide down for right now. I just want to talk a little bit. I'll, I'll call the slides out as we need them. Um, the the it kind of reminds me. So the first time I ever saw that, Damien, um, it was actually a crane rental company. So they did big equipment mm -hmm. cranes. They would rent them out, and they had a major breach because they didn't. The, the way that they caught it, because they obviously weren't working with us at the time. But what was interesting, the way they caught it is that the criminals, they had gotten into their system. They knew this very unique rental software that was a line of business application, very unique to their business, not commonly known. And they sent invoices with different pay to location, but the mm. invoice was legit for a real, for a real rental that a customer had done. And the way that they, that they even were alerted that this happened was the criminal sent it on an old template versus a new template? It was it was it was pretty mind blowing. And someone was like, "Hey, why, why did they send out? Why did we send out this on this old template?" And then they looked and they're like, "Wait, this is weird. Like, why are we sending invoices right now? Why is the pay too different? It was just crazy." 
Right. Yeah. So they're paying. I'm glad somebody. I mean, I feel like the human element, right? There. If somebody's paying attention to the details, a lot of times that is how you catch it. But to your point, if it was on this specific software that not a lot of people were going to know, there's a good chance that the criminal was in the environment for a long time, studied the transactions uh, before they decided to execute. Right. And we've seen that many, many of times where a criminal could be in your environment for six months, even a year, and you may not know it. And they're just watching you waiting until they understand the process so that they can properly execute their plan. Um, and that'll kind of dovetail to a stat that we have later with Steam tools, how Steam tools close the gap between when you, uh, when a breach first happens to when your team actually learns about it, right? If somebody's in your environment right. for a week or two, you know, that's one thing. But if they're in there for months, there's a good chance they're going to take advantage of you. Yeah, I mean, let's, uh, can we maybe pull up the slide on 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 uh, slide number two, kind of about the threats? Because what I'm seeing a lot is a lot of times when I'm having conversations with, with business owners, they're a lot of times thinking, um, you know, they, they know there's a risk, there's, there's a certain amount of fear, but the stuff that's actually making the news is sometimes so big, it's so astronomical, it's so absurd that it's like, it almost seems out of touch. It's like, oh, millions of records from Equifax got blasted, at, you know, got, got leaked. And they're like, well, I guess nobody's safe or, you know, that's a big company. It doesn't really uh, apply to, to, to my little, you know, my little accounting yeah. firm, my, my little law firm, things like that. But <clears throat> IBM did this, did this study. And what was interesting is that they pulled up. Uh, so the, in this study, they pulled about 500 organizations across 17 countries, 17 industries. And so when they did the survey in 2022, this is the results. They found that 49%, which is 1% less than half of the organizations, actually had a data breach in the last two years. So that's 50%. Now, I feel I don't have any data on this. This is just kind of my feeling. I think that stat is higher. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because what's underreported, it's underreported. Under under yeah, hundred percent. And then also people will like, well, they got in the network, but we got them out really quick. So mm -hmm. they didn't do anything. So we didn't have a data breach. So technically maybe it's not a data breach, but it was a network breach. So, I mean, Damien, I mean, you, you like, if you look at our customers, how many of the customers under monitoring would you say in the last year actually had a breach that we then stuck like criminal got in, we detected it, we stopped it. Yeah. So th that will happen, right? We, we have seen, we've seen stuff uh, under our monitoring. We haven't had breaches, right? As far as under cybersecurity monitoring, we haven't had issues, but a hundred percent customers that come to us after the fact, uh, I would say small, small companies, you know, 30 employees, 40 employees, we've seen those kind of breaches. Uh, but a lot of them, we realize um, the the uh, the attack vector very very preventable um, with just some basic measures. And customers yeah. who are actually under our monitoring, our team, our twenty four seven, we have not seen those kinds of things. Um, you know, with, with customers that we've been watching. Yeah, you guys can take the take the slide down. But you know, e even when you have the monitoring, the monitoring is to stop the criminal from getting anywhere because a lot mm -hmm. of times they're they're getting this. They're getting logins, they're getting into the network, and it's yeah. how fast can you get them out. So I, I think, you know, if you're looking at breach statistics, if you're talking about a data breach, yeah, maybe the 50, 49% might even be more because it's underreported. In the other case, though, if you're talking about a network breach where someone 
like logged in, even if they were in there for one second, they technically were in the network before they got removed out. Oh yeah, no, I follow what you're saying. Yeah, right. that that's right. probably you. Yeah. you know eighty yeah. to ninety plus percent. Yeah, that's everybody. <laughs> yeah, experience no, that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I follow you. That that happens everywhere yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's pretty crazy. So I think we pulled up some of the major breaches. Now this is just the major ones. Can we throw that slide up just for a few seconds? Mm -hmm. I want to hit a couple of these. Um, you guys probably seen some of these. Uh, T-Mobile was one of the, one of the biggest Uber cash app. I use, I use cash app. I don't know about you. Well, well, hang on, hang on. There's something in the chat and we promised to derail everything for those oh, questions. Like what we got one. We have one from Renee. It says any stats for healthcare breaches, and we do have some stats. Um, we we I don't know if we have the the stat the uh, stat slide readily available, but I did go over the study, um, and they talked specifically about how healthcare was actually more affected um, than a lot of these companies. And what we found is that because a lot of healthcare facilities and healthcare companies they hold so much more data, right? Because everybody, every single person has gone there, right? Not everybody has bought a crane, uh, but everybody has their healthcare records, um, you know, with, with one of the, you know, large healthcare companies. Um, we are seeing a lot of activity uh, in that space um, and fit specifically because a good chunk of our business uh, on yeah. the IT side is healthcare. Uh, we are very protective and very aware of, of PHI and, and HIPAA uh, uh, compliance, um, but keeping that data safe is, is is paramount so um yeah maybe we'll have some stats here in a second yeah hey, we'll, we'll renee see. do you want uh you want to see if you want to send uh, me real quick we'd love to have her on oh yeah sure and we, let's see if she she's available i don't want to i don't want to pressure her she is i'm going to jump no, in. She, okay she's okay with it yeah no anyway, well, we appreciate I, it yeah. I, I do want to talk about this so so sniffs assisted living um, home health, rehab. So something that, this is a really, really important industry taking care of our elderly population. And um, if you know a little bit about this industry, what's really interesting is how many employees they have, right? So they might have, they might have, let's say, um, only like, let's say it's a, a nursing facility. There might be 50, to 100 computers depending on the bed count of the facility in there but you could have way more people in there because you have uh nurses dons you know you have all the people help run it you have dietitians and especially with nurses um there's a lot of them are kind of like bringing their own i don't want to say bringing their own device but they have their own phones and stuff they're not necessarily assigned a computer. They might be using like a rolling card or a wall kiosk, something like that, as they're doing medical passes um, for the residents. Uh, they're they're going to be taking care of residents right on. And the the issue is that you know those the, that medical staff works a little bit different than maybe the average computer user, right? Some of them don't even have email addresses. Um, others might, but a lot of them don't. And it just kind of depends. Sometimes a lot of them are using like PCC, things like that. They'll have logins to there, but they may not have logins to the whole network. Now, here's the, here's the, the problem. And maybe we could, um, 
Could you bring up that cyber that uh, slide number four, cyber threats in twenty twenty two? So what's what's happening a lot? What we're seeing in in not just uh, the the post acute world, but I mean this this is everywhere. But the post acute world, because you're interested in that, or you're in that industry. We work a lot with it. Um, we see this a lot. Is they're more susceptible to phishing. They might not be having the same amount of training that a typical office employee would have. Um, the other thing is that they tend to use what we, we, we've seen, even extreme cases where we had employees using uh, the same password for you know everything from from Dropbox to OnlyFans to their personal email to you know, a login for, you know, a car detailing website, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And that password then matches the password that they have uh, to their facility. And so um, that's one where we're, and then a lot of them are traveling. So we've noticed a lot of the nurses um, also travel a lot out of the U.S. We've seen people going to the Philippines, South America, Europe, and we'll see logins into the skilled nursing facility, the assisted living facility with that person's username password. Now, hey, they might be traveling, but a lot of times they might not. They might actually just be someone stole their credentials a couple different ways. Like we said, phishing could be a business email compromise. Um, so, so, you know, if we go, can we jump to the slide uh, number three? Let's just say Dropbox had that data breach all those username and passwords, let's say that employee was using Dropbox and that password also matches, you know, their facility email account. That criminal is yeah. going to buy those databases in bulk and they have, they have algorithms for, um, for basically a software just to go actively try them uh, with their web logins. If they can get in, they can get in. We're seeing that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of activity in healthcare. I think the the report that that we were pulling from the stats from say that healthcare by far is they're experiencing the most expensive, right? They're spending the most amount of money uh, on data breaches. They're being attacked the most. Uh, I think Stormy mentioned that because uh, a lot of times these healthcare facilities, the records are so critical, right? Uh, frequently, you're talking about somebody's life. A lot of times, they're willing to pay the ransom. Um, which I don't know if the average person understands that when you get ransomware in your, yeah. whether it's healthcare records or whatever, a lot of times you can actually pay to, you, know, you can pay the ransom, you can have your, your data to some degree restored, whereas, you know, maybe you guys can continue to work. Sometimes not. Um, but even if you do that, the breach has occurred and now you have had that breach and, and that data is out there and who knows where it's going to go from there. And then you still have to deal with HIPAA fines uh, and that kind of stuff. And that's also getting very expensive. Um, so healthcare is probably one of the most vulnerable industries, certainly the most precarious, right? If, if for instance, you get ransomware and they're holding up people's medicine, right? You don't even know who needs what dose at what time uh, because you can't access their record. Uh, so very, very scary stuff when you think about uh, ransomware in the healthcare industry. Uh, and, and you realize that these attackers are truly playing with people's uh, lives, essentially. So, um, you, you know, definitely a, a lot to think about when it comes to healthcare. Yeah, for sure. Um, so 
you know, uh, Elliot, Elliot mentioned as well here that fines are up to 10,000 per record. And, and that is for sure. We've seen some astronomical fines. D typically, if there's a fine, if there's a breach and they're coming to do an investigation, they kind of come in and, and they'll tag you for all kinds of stuff, even if it's not directly tied to the breach. Yeah, that's it. Like, oh, there's a firewall out of out of date, you know, end of life, but it's not necessarily that wasn't had anything to do with the breach. If the, if it was logging to, you know, maybe their their electronic medical record software, but nonetheless, they're going to tag it while they're, while yeah, they're there. Yeah. So it's all gloom and doom right now, man. Can you help them or what? Where do we can? We, is it is it all bad or is there? Any yeah, no, no. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's, well, I think what businesses really need to do, and it's, it's just great that you know Renee's on here thinking about that, is like how do you strategically do things in the organization to protect it? Because you know, uh, every year that number is is like on a run going higher and higher. And I suspect that it's not going to slow down because the law enforcement, I mean, whenever you don't enforce, you know, penalties for doing a crime, the crime just goes up. And the problem is as soon as the cyber crime goes outside of the United States, which the criminal, even if they're in the United States, they're going to be, you know, they'll, they'll tunnel through, you know, an outs another country, so they can't be tracked. And now they get away with the crime. The FBI, if you call them, if it's less than a million dollars, they will not. They're just going to tell you, "Tough luck. I'm I'm sorry that happened to yeah. you, but we're too busy. We can't even." Oh, very tough to get cooperation. Yeah, to your point, we had the one customer in actually uh, not too far from here. Um, they lost almost a million dollars. It might have been better if they just lost the whole million. Uh, but it was very close and um, it was clear what had happened. An investigation was completed and they said, listen, that money is in an account in a country that we don't really have any kind of favorable relationship with and we can't help you and or touch it. Uh, so a very small company um, lost a very large sum of money. And like you said, with the, you know, the way criminals are getting away with it now, it's only going to increase. Uh, and I know there was a slide. I'm not sure if we still have it. We don't have to put it up. But we talked about how, uh, you know, a lot of times there's a tax for sale now, um, whereas criminals are now uh, selling their attacks. So you can go to a website and you can just pay a subscription fee and purchase a tax. And you can be a 14-year-old kid with $10, uh, you know what I mean, in your, in your PayPal, and you can be leveraging a tax against get different businesses. Um, so the crime, the number, to your point, uh, Ephraim, is only going to increase. It's only going to get uh, more persistent from here and, and more clever. Um, so we definitely got to, you know, it's just, we got to do a better job, right? We got to work harder. Hey guys, so we got a question in the chat from Nathan Chavez. Uh, he says, what would you say are the top three countermeasures against the top threats for 2023? Yeah, that's a good question. So let's hit that. Hey, if you guys are listening in, We'd love to know what you've kind of done to protect your businesses. Like what, what are the things that, that you, you've done? Um, love to see uh, other people's uh, actions that they've taken as well, which is always positive to see. So, you know, there, there's, there's, I think when you, t when you look at a strategy for protecting 
in your organization. A lot of people take it from a technical strategy, but if you think of a little bit like of the Navy SEALs, when the Navy SEALs say they have to protect a little town or something like that, and what are they going to do? They're going to look at like, what are they protecting? What are the ways that they're going to get attacked? What are their weak points in the city? Where are the, where are the attackers going to come from? So really using that kind of strategy, the old school strategy of thinking, oh, everything on the outside is hard and everything in the inside is, is soft and squishy. That's old school. That does not work. Um, criminals like firewalls and stuff that if you look at um, like how they're getting in, that, that's, yeah, you got to do it, but that's, that's like a little, a little percentage. So, so one of the biggest, biggest things that we are seeing that criminals are getting into the network is through stolen credentials. How they get the stolen credentials, couple different ways, phishing, pretext calling, um, phishing is probably number one, stolen, buying stolen credentials is probably number two. And so if you think about that, okay, they're gonna get into email, they're going to get into any line of business that is web-facing, firewall's not gonna stop it, Endpoint protection is not going to stop it because they have a legitimate login. If that's the number one, there's a couple things. One would be um, multi-factor authentication. Hands down, one of the most important things. Doesn't mean it can't be circumvented, but it is a, it, it's going to stop a massive amount of data breaches. We've seen circum circumventing of, of it. But, you know, you go into, I don't think anyone has a bank account now that you log in that it doesn't send you a text and probably ask for you to, to get in there. So multi-factor authentication is an absolute must really across anything that you need high protection against. Um, the other one that's going to be really key because they can get around the multi-factor authentication um, even if you go, like, say you have Office 365, so this this will surprise a lot of people. You can go in there in Office 365, turn on the multi-factor authentication. Someone can still log into your Office 365 without multi-factor authentication. You're like, how? Well, they use legacy protocols like POP or IMAP that don't support it. And Office 365 says, oh, IMAP is connecting. I guess I'm not going to uh, force an MFA request. And so the criminal will still log in. So then you have to take it a step further. Not only do you have to enable the multi-factor authentication, you have to turn off POP, you have to turn off IMAP. Um, and, and, and then the third, um, which is going to be, I guess not third, I was talking specifically with, with email on that one, is you really want to have some kind of tool that is gathering log data of where people are logging in and creating alerts so that can be investigated. So um, a 100%, lot of companies, yeah, yeah you, you just got to know, you got to know, hey, someone logged in. We, we had a situation where someone on the uh, West Coast, yeah, they were on the West Coast. They had a login from uh, Florida, I think, which obviously is like, yeah, what's the big deal? Problem was, they were logged in at both places at the same time. That's not possible, right? First of all. Second of all, um, there was a successful MFA authentication. They actually had MFA. So how did that happen? The only reason this was the criminal was caught was because we were detecting through a SIEM tool 
that someone had connected from both locations at the same time. An analyst got that alert, looked at it within an SLA. Within a few minutes, yeah, the criminal was on the network. They were, but they didn't have enough time to do anything. They were only on there, I don't know, less than three minutes, something like that, before they were detected and locked out. And you say, okay, how did they get past the MFA? They had actually stolen that person's um, Apple ID. And then they used the Apple ID to log onto an iPad that they owned. And I don't know if you noticed, when you log in from another Apple device, you can actually get the iMessage thing. So when they then tried to log into the work email, they got the... The, the text message to, you know, with the authentication code, they got it right on their iPad, wherever they actually were, whether they're in Florida or not, they got it. And then they put it in, they were in the network. So we've seen it too many times. Absolutely. I've seen the same, the same attack, MFA, uh, circumvented via iCloud. Uh, criminals have access to Mac OS via like a, a simulator. So they don't even have to have a real computer. Uh, they log into your iCloud account and then they receive all of your messages, not just your MFA, right? All of your iCloud data, all of your pictures, all of that kind of stuff is, is right there. Uh, you may not realize that you take a picture on your phone. If you have not turned it off, the moment you take that picture, it's uploaded to the cloud. So your iCloud is very, very important to protect. So we've seen that on, on the, you know, many times with the MFA, Ephraim. And I would just say, just kind of in general, when it's email and MFA and, and you know, passwords, the user base is like the weakest point, unfortunately. So you as a person, if you don't have a strong password, if you don't have MFA, if you fall victim to a phishing email, which is so easy nowadays to fall victim because they're so creative, I think that's probably the top threat is any person yeah. with inside the organization, right? You can't, it doesn't matter what kind of firewall you have. If somebody opens the back door and says, hey, come on in, they're in. Um, so you spend tons and tons of money on all this great technology, uh, but then you haven't properly prepared your people then they're just going to walk somebody right in the back door. They're going to wire somebody money uh, without asking you. Um, so I think to me, that's like one of the, the biggest liability and the biggest protection yeah. are the people. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nathan said his top three, cyber awareness training, absolutely 2FA. Two, two so that multi-factor. Um, also, if you can get people to use an MFA app, it is better than SMS authentication. SMS is better than nothing, but um, that app is even better. And then partnering with a strong cybersecurity company. And did we pay this guy? He must have I don't paid know. Him. I was thinking. I was thinking. Let's get him. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's no, I in. agree. You got to. Let's bring look, him on the next. Uh... Unless you're going to build out like a 24-7 cybersecurity staff to monitor and look at alerts, you need to partner with the company. It's just, it financially doesn't make any sense. So mm -hmm. that, that that's a big one. And then I would love, I know we're running out of time. I wanna talk about one more um, breach. It's more of a social engineering breach. Sometimes it's, it's via text. Um, what you guys are gonna see, um, which is one of the most common ones we're seeing is criminals are looking for new employees, particularly new employees, because new employee wants to do everything right. They haven't learned all the ropes yet. And uh, people are now on LinkedIn, right? You almost know right away, yeah, I got a new job. Hooray, everyone congratulates <laughs> on exactly where they work. Criminal, that, that's a gold mine. Now they'll text that employee on their cell phone. You're like, well, how did they get their cell phone number? Go look up on any breach report. I bet you'll find your cell phone number. Everybody's cell phone number. Anywhere. You you put your LinkedIn, they look you up on Facebook, they'll find you. It's not hard. 
they'll find it. Yeah, they, they'll text yeah, your yeah, cell yeah, phone, yeah. and it's gonna be like, "Hey, Damien, uh, this is Ephraim. Hey, I'm on the road right now. Can you do something for me, real quick?" Right? Damien's like, "Well, That's he right. might have never even met the new boss. Potentially, he might have never even met him, especially at a bigger company." And he's like, "Shoot, I, I, dude, he." This is my first contact with him. I need to, I need to scramble. I need to do whatever he needs me to do. Um, they're doing that. So you, I, I think training employees right on day one that they should expect to be contacted by some criminal and that will never happen. The boss will only contact them through these means. Um, they will verbally, if it's any kind of like wire transfer or payment for something that hasn't been paid before, it's going to be a verbal thing. Um, Absolutely. I, I you know. Yeah, if you you need to train also your accounting team on this, that even if it did legitimately come from the boss's text, you should have a policy that they pick up the phone, call the boss, have to hear their voice, and say, "Hey, Mr. Boss, I just wanted a verbal confirmation of what you just asked me to do." And the boss shouldn't see that as an annoyance; they should see that as a necessity to protecting the business. Yeah, that's a protection. So, like. At our team, nobody on accounting is allowed to send nothing uh, without a verbal confirmation. If it's not something that's to the same bank accounts that they've been paying for, uh, on a regular basis, right? If it's Absolutely. Anything, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I would say the accounting department, in my mind, is probably one of the most proficient departments I've ever seen, right? I work with a bunch of different businesses. And what I've seen is that if there's a, a bill to be paid, Frequently, accounting is paying it, um, you know, very, very quickly. So we've even seen here at, at times with FIT where maybe we're going to issue a credit for a customer or something like that. And we're working with the director of IT, but the accounting department doesn't know about it yet. So as soon as they get the invoice, they pay it. And then we're like, wow, they paid that very quickly. Well, we've seen the same. That's that's great. But then what happens is that when there is a change in an invoice or another customer is, a, a, you know, a partner of theirs is breached and they don't know it they're paying those invoices very, very quickly. And because they're so proficient, the attackers are almost using that to their benefit. They're knowing, okay, they're gonna get this done before anybody has a chance to check. So training people, training the accountant depart accounting department, that's gotta be the most important department. Uh, we say it all the time at FIT. Every morning we say accounting is our favorite department, right? That's our motto. Uh, making sure that they're, they're taking care of the money, they're taking care of the baby, make sure they're well-trained and well-prepared uh, for for the landscape that we're in um, in 2023. I love it. So we're at the top of the hour. Thank you guys for joining ours. We do have an offer for anybody that wants to take us up on it. We will set up, we will buy an hour of our VCSO's time to spend it with you however you would like for that hour. Uh, if you would like a meeting, a consultation with uh, one of our virtual CISOs or one of our cybersecurity experts, We'll carve an hour out. We'll pay for it. Um, and you can ask them any question, any strategy, anything you want. And they're yours for the hour. So uh, go ahead, reach out to us. Let us know uh, if, if you want that. We'd be happy to do that. Thanks for being on our number one episode, guys. And we look forward to having you join us on another one. Thanks, Damien. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.